you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 23 this afternoon. Seems like this afternoon, beautiful sunny day as Brother Wesley referred to. All this beautiful weather we're having and no place to go. Amen. No, no way to get out. So uh, thank the Lord we can get out on the patio a little bit, except for those that are struggling with pollen. You know, I appreciate this technology. appreciate the media team and the good work they do. It was great. Uh, we had a little trouble this morning because there was over 300 uh, people listening or 300 families, and that's a lot of people. Uh, and it was just overcoming the system a little bit. But they got it straightened out, and somebody said they prayed, and time the preaching started, there was no uh, hesitation, no interruptions, and that's the main part of the service. But you can go back and listen to it uh, during the uh, week, and it'll be uh, picture perfect, hopefully sound perfect. Appreciate the Morrisons so much. Appreciate the the way they uh, were used to the Lord this morning. You know, I realize I've got a better face for radio than I do broadcasting, and uh Somebody told me that one time, said I had a great face for radio, so I don't know what they meant by that. Another person said I had a pretty face and had enough room for another one on my face, so I don't know what that meant, but I think I do. But anyway, I'm just glad to be here, and uh, thank God the Lord's helped me uh, uh, feel a lot better. I've been under the weather for a couple of weeks, and with this pollen and sinuses, and so I'm just thank, thankful for being in the house of God. Looking forward to next Sunday, we're going to try to set up a truck or a or some kind of platform right in the middle of the uh, parking lot facing south, and we're going to have uh, ushers parking the folks. And uh, I heard it's going to be a sunny day, and it's going to be wonderful that we can meet together. And instead of amens, we'll have honks. Amen, you just blow your horn when you, when you agree. That, that probably wouldn't be appropriate. But anyway, uh, we'll have a great time. And uh, most important of all, we're going to celebrate that he's alive. Amen. I'm going to be preaching on the death of Jesus, but thank God three days later, up from the grave he arose, amen? And I preached this message many times in prison. I don't know if I've ever preached it um, on a Palm Sunday, but I'm looking forward to uh, God using it like he does in prison. I've been going to YDC for 39 years, every third Tuesday, and I love preaching over there. And we've seen a lot of people get saved uh, through this message. So I wanted to preach on the cross. Three crosses stood. Thank God those three crosses have a message in itself. Thank the Lord for the, the one in the middle. So we're, gonna, we're going to uh, go to Luke chapter 23. We'll begin with verse 32. If you'd like to stand in all the word of God in your home, or you don't really have to. You can just, you can just uh, listen to it. That'll give respect to the word of God. But the Bible says in Luke chapter 23, verse 32, and there was also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And then, and then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also uh, with them deride him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. I like that all caps in the King James Bible. Amen. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. 
And the other answered, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. Just what Brother Randy sung about. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Now listen. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. I'd like to just preach a few minutes on three crosses stood. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, I know that you set all this up, the virus, all the things that's happening. God, it didn't catch you by surprise as Brother Wesley preached this morning. And God, we know that there's a plan. And that plan is that this would fall out, that we wouldn't fall apart, but God, that we'd fall, that'd be for the furtherance of the gospel. And so Lord, we claim Philippians 1.12, this is all fallen out, not for us to fall apart, but for the furtherance of the gospel. And we pray that there's someone that's going to get right with God tonight, someone that's going to get saved, Lord, maybe by not only listening to the message tonight, but maybe when it's broadcast later. And Lord, we just pray, dear God, that you would use it and use this message of the cross. And Lord, we lift you up. We thank you, God, that you are the sovereign God, but you are the Savior of the world and that whosoever shall call upon you shall be saved. And we pray, Lord, that'll happen. And Lord, we just pray for all our folks at home that you'd encourage them, that they're saved on the way to heaven, and they have you as their shepherd uh, to go through this valley. And so, Lord, just use this message and help me to preach it. In Jesus' name, amen. Three crosses stood. I want you to notice the first cross, and that's the cross of submission. The cross of submission. That's Christ. And I want you to know, folks, he submitted to the very perfect will of God. For the Lord said that he was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the Lord knew there was only one way. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Somebody had to die. The wage of sin is death. And thank the Lord, <clears throat> our Christ, our Lord, came submissively, it wasn't convenient. It wasn't pleasurable. There was terrible suffering at the cross of Calvary. Number one, there was physical suffering. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse four and five, it says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet he esteemed him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. And I love verse six, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. You all have gone astray. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But listen to this. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That means anyone can be saved. Everyone can be saved that'll call upon him, whosoever will. And so first of all, I see the physical suffering. You know, there's 39 lashes, a cat of nine tails called the scourge that Pilate scourged him and had the soldiers scourge him. 351 furrows across his precious back. The Bible says in Isaiah 52, verse 14, that he was beyond recognition. 
He was so brutally uh, punished or whipped. They say on a scourge that the first one through 15 lashes would go through the skin and the fatty tissue of a body. And then the next 15 through 25 would go through the fat and down into the muscle tissue. The next 25, 26, on up to 35 lashes would sometimes cut through the muscles, even to the inner organs. And then the 35th through the 39th lash, some would go to the eternal organs, uh, rip out an eye. And some people would not even survive the scourge. There was a crown of thorns. It was not little thorns like we're used to in Georgia, but it was the Middle East thorns, about six inches long. The Bible says in Mark chapter 14, verse 19, they smote him on the head with the reed or the, uh, the mockery. And folks, it, it, it acted like a nail driving those long uh, thorns into his skull and blood would drip down his face. And then the Bible says they put a robe of mockery on him and they spat in his face. The precious eyes that always looked upon the sick and looked upon the lonely and looked upon the lost and they spat on him. What a, what a disdainful, what a, what a terrible, disgusting respite that was. And then they put a scepter in his hand. And with that scepter, they beat him. Isaiah 40, 52, verse 14, beyond recognition. And then there was emotional suffering at the cross of Calvary. You know, he just endured six unfair, <clears throat> awful, mockery, fake trials. He just came out of the garden where he sweat great drops of blood as he saw your sin and my sin that he was gonna bear at Calvary. And he even said, can this cup pass from me? But then he said, he submitted, the cross of submission is the first cross. He submitted to the will of God and said, not my will, but thine be done. Emotional suffering. On the way to the cross, they wagged their heads and sped on him and mocked him. His own people rejected him. Only a few went all the way to the cross of Calvary. Only one man and several ladies went all the way to Calvary. There was emotional suffering, rejected and forsaken, that, we can ne ne that we'll never be rejected and never forsaken when we get to heaven. His own disciples did not go all the way to the cross. His friends forsook him. His own people that he came to rescue and to save mocked him. Emotional suffering. But you know, most important of all, and most horrendous of all, there was there were spiritual suffering, spiritual sufferings. My sin and your sin weighed much more than the old rugged cross. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, the Bible says, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, the perfect lamb of God, that we, that we might be made the righteousness of God, and here's the key words, in him. Thank God he took our sin and we can take God's righteousness, his righteousness. What a, what a, what a gift. And folks, I want to tell you something. The first cross that I want, to, I want to mention is the cross of submission. But I really want to emphasize the second cross. And I, and I thank God for the song that Brother Randy sang. It's the cross of remission. It's the cross of re, the repentant thief. Uh, it's amazing to me. Number one, it's an amazing situation that God set up. Look at verse 39. The Bible says, one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. He's next to the Savior, the Son of God. He's dying for his sins. And the Bible says in verse 40, but 
the other answered, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? That's the third cross. But look at verse 41. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds, but this man had done nothing amiss. And it says, and he said unto Jesus, he's talking to Jesus in his last breath, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shall thou be with me in paradise. Folks, it's an amazing situation. Today, God has set up some amazing situations for you to hear the gospel. It is no accident that this virus has taken place. It's no accident that you're listening right now by way of YouTube or Facebook, and maybe you might be listening to this later on after I preach this message several months later. But I want to tell you something. God sets up amazing situations for people to get saved. And thank God for that. He places you in America where you can hear the gospel. He puts you uh, in a neighborhood where somebody can knock on your door and tell you about Jesus and share the plan of salvation with you. He might, he might have birthed you into a family like I was birthed into a family where there was a great grandmother. We called her that mama because and she was so godly that she would read through the Bible every year and she told me when I was just a child, I never forgot this, she said, Wayne, when I come to one of these long words I can't pronounce, I just spell it out so I won't miss the blessing, amen? She was a godly grandmother and she was a godly mother and my daddy was an alcoholic came out of the war, messed up, and, and, um, and she prayed every Sunday morning for her son and prayed for someone to preach the gospel. And seven years before my daddy died of cirrhosis liver, I was preaching when he walked the aisle and got born again. Folks, it's an amazing situation that you're born in America, you're born in a family where there's a praying grandmother, a praying mama. Somebody's praying for you today. Somebody's longing for you to be saved. Somebody has been placed in your life, and that's an amazing situation. It's a gracious providence. Both thieves could hear his prayer. Both thieves could hear the crowd railing upon him. Both heard Jesus' reaction. Look in verse 34, he said, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Now here's a group gambling for the robe, but here is a thief on the cross dying, noticing that there's something different about the man on the middle cross. The man that was submitting to God's will. The very God dying for him. Folks, God still sets up amazing situations for you to be saved. But why? Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Then there's not only an amazing situ uh, situation, <coughs> there's amazing supplication. Well, the most amazing prayers in the Bible is found in verse 40 through 42. He said, but the other answer rebuked him, saying, dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Here's the thief that's rejecting the Lord. But look in verse 41, it says, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. Listen now, he said, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Folks, what a, what a prayer. Number one, he admitted, look at verse 40, 40, he admitted that he feared God. He respected him. He admitted his guilt. He said, we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. Friend, to be saved, you must admit that you're a sinner. You must admit that you're not perfect. 
You must admit that you have an Adamic nature and that you've fallen short of the glory of God, as Romans 3.10 says. <clears throat> he admitted, number two, that he, had, he deserved this punishment. He admitted that Jesus Christ was innocent. Verse 41, he says, he had done nothing amiss. And then he believed there was life after death. Look at verse 42. And he said, Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. So he didn't know much, but he knew enough. <clears throat> he was praying, admitting he feared God, admitting he was guilty, admitting he deserved punishment, admitting that, that the Lord was innocent <clears throat> and that he believed there was life after death. He got saved against all the odds. The crowd was opposing him. Nobody else asked Jesus for salvation. And I want to tell you something, friend. The thief, his own friend, began to mock him. And see how little the man really understood. He, knew, he understood this, though. Jesus is the Savior. He understood that Jesus had a kingdom, that there was eternal life. And Jesus came from Nazareth, and he also said he saved others. Now, I don't know if he'd heard the testimonies of Jesus saving so many, but praise God, somehow, someway, this man, dying next to Jesus, had an amazing situation being there next to Jesus. But an amazing supplication. And then last but not least, there was amazing salvation. In Luke 19, verse 10, the Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. In verse 43, and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, thee, today shall thou be with me in paradise. You can't save people who don't know that they need to be saved. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The thief was a lost man who knew he was lost. He knew he was condemned, verse 42. And he knew that the Lord could remember him and save him when he came into his kingdom. So I want you to see the amazing salvation. We might close with the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. What a beautiful, beautiful song that is. But folks, it's all about the amazing salvation. And folks, first of all, it's amazing salvation is because it's holy by grace. Look at verse 43. It says this, And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. Folks, it was holy by grace. The man did not deserve to be saved. He admitted that. And he couldn't save himself. It's all by grace. By grace, we get what we never could deserve and that's heaven. And by mercy, we don't get what we deserve, and that's hell. The thief could not earn his salvation. He couldn't keep the Ten Commandments. He couldn't get baptized. He couldn't keep the religious rituals. He just wholly by grace got saved. Jesus reached out to him in love and saved his soul. So first of all, it's amazing grace because it's holy by grace. It's amazing salvation because it's holy by grace. And then it's not only amazing salvation because it's holy by grace, but it's certain and secure. Look at verse 43. The Bible says, And Jesus said to them, Verily. The word verily means truly. Not a hope or a guess so. I, I talked to a lot of people. and We came to this town 42 years ago and started witnessing. We didn't try to divide some church or try to steal members from another church. We just started knocking on doors and, and telling the folks about Jesus and, and winning souls. And a lot of people would say, well, uh, um, I hope I'm, I get saved. I hope I'm saved. And folks, I want to tell you something. That is, that's counted too close. 
How did he know that salvation was secure? Because Jesus told him. Folks, we can know that Jesus' word is true. 1 John 5, 13 says, These things are written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Folks, it's amazing salvation because it's certain and it's secure. Because it's from God's word. God's word tells us we're a sinner. God's word tells us that he's the Savior. God, God's word tells us all by grace and it's through faith. It's not of works, lest we get to heaven and boast about it. Folks, it's all based on the word of God. Psalms 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Some people say, well, I won't be able to tell if I'm saved until I get there. That's, that's cutting it too close. You need to know that you know that you know that you're saved. It's amazing salvation because it was all by grace. It's amazing salvation because it's certain and it's secure based on God's word when he said verily. And then it's amazing salvation because it's personal. Verse 43, it says, and Jesus said to him, verily I say unto thee. You know, salvation is so personal. I personally got saved March 15th, 1964. So on the fifth row back in a little Baptist church in East Lake, Georgia, um, near Decatur, Georgia, where I lived. And I remember the message was on hell. It was long, it was hot, and it was forever. And I said, I don't want to go there. As an 11-year-old, they had nothing to offer the Lord. I walked that aisle. I trusted the Lord as my personal Savior. And God loves and saves us personally. Aren't you glad it's a personal relationship, not some dead religion? And though this is amazing, it's amazing salvation because it's, it's uh, all by grace. It's certain and secure. It's personal but folks, it's also present. The Bible says, and Jesus said to him, verily I say unto thee, today, today, right now, not a process. Folks, salvation is not a class you go through. It's not a pro process or an education. It's a miracle. Salvation is an instantaneous spiritual experience by the power of God when his spirit comes into your life. And thank God, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's the greatest miracle that could ever take place in your life and it's present tense, today. And it says, the day will you be with me in paradise. And folks, that shows you that to be absent in the body is to be present in the Lord. There's no soul sleep and there's no purgatory. The thief was guaranteed that he would be today in paradise. So it's present. And then it's centered in Christ. Oh, that's what makes the salvation so amazing. Salvation means being related to the Lord Jesus Christ personal, a personal relationship, amen? And folks, the thief, his own friend was mocking him, but Jesus identified with this man in condemnation, this man identified with Jesus in salvation. He that knew no sin became sin for that thief on the cross. And that thief couldn't turn to the other thief and get saved. That thief could not go to the soldiers, certainly not. That thief could not go to the religious crowd that was mocking him and uh, making fun of him and putting him on the cross. Though it all centered in Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by him. There's one other thing about this amazing salvation. Yes, it was an amazing situation. It was amazing supplication. What a prayer. Thank God, a humble, honest prayer of admitting he was a sinner, admitting that, 
there was a kingdom and an eternity and admitting that he needed to be saved. But there's something else amazing about this salvation and that is glorious. Look at verse 43 again. It says, thou shalt be with me in paradise. All this man hoped for was to share some kind of future kingdom about which he knew very little of. But Jesus gave him more than he could ever ask for, more than he could ever hope for, more than he could ever imagine. He gave him heaven. He gave him himself. Paul said that this paradise, the third heaven, was beyond words in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. Folks, heaven's a place of rejoicing. Amen? It's a place of reunion. I was thinking about looking back at the media men, how Brother uh, Larry Reimer would love to have been here today and doing this sound board and being all excited about broadcasting uh, this service. But he's having a far better time. He's ministering unto the Lord and he's with the Lord. And I want you to know, friend, it's a place of reunion. One day I'll see all my friends. One day I'll see my mother. One day I'll see my daddy. He missed hell by seven years and thank God on his deathbed, he said, I'm glad that I got saved, but I only lived seven years. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You're just existing. You're just existing if you're not saved. But when you get saved, you enter into a, a, a relationship that's glorious. It's present tense. It's being born again, born from above. But also it's a glorious because there's a paradise, there's a heaven. It's a place of rejoicing. It's a place of reunion. And it's a place of rewards. It's a far better place. It's much more than we could ever imagine. Heaven, are you going there? Do you know the Lord is your personal Savior? He might have set up this amazing situation this afternoon. You might just be tuning in. You might have just been scanning Facebook. You might be just uh, looking through YouTube, searching something, and all of a sudden uh, you're on this message. And you're um, listening to this preacher whose face is suitable for radio and not TV. And you're saying, what is this all about? I'll tell you what it's all about. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has set this up. He set an amazing situation, and he wants you to have an amazing supplication, and that's a simple prayer of confessing that you're a sinner and confessing that he's the Savior and believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then it's amazing salvation. You'll be going to heaven instead of hell. There's people dying every day in America. There's thousands that's died around the world and I want to tell you something, if this hasn't got your attention, I don't know what will get your attention, but I want to tell you something, we need to realize life is brief at the longest. <clears throat> but now, we need to realize that it could be any time or any moment that the rapture takes place or death comes knocking at your door. Last but not least, <clears throat> there's a third cross, and that's the cross of omission. We see the unrepentant thief, the unrepentant thief. I want you to look at verse 39. The Bible says, and one of the malefactors which hanged railed on him, was mocking him, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself. And here's the key, and us. Save thyself and us. See, I want you to notice something about this unrepentant thief. He, was the, he had the same opportunity. He saw the, the, the same love, the same peace, the same power, he saw the earth turn dark in the middle of the day. He, 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 he probably, the earth shook and all that happened at Calvary. And if he'd have looked onto the temple, he'd seen the, 
veil rent from the top to the bottom, miraculously, showing us that we have all got access to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here, here's why he went to hell. Here's why he missed being born again. His thoughts were only on the present. His thoughts were only on the present. He said, and us. Thoughts were of the immediate. And he sacrificed the eternal on the altar of immediacy. Everybody wants a quick cure, a quick fix. And there's a lot of people that's just so preoccupied by this pandemic and I don't blame you and you haven't turned the news off and you're all depressed. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's something after death. It's eternity. It's either heaven or hell. We must prepare to meet God. And folks, he lived for the immediate. He lived for the pleasure of sin for a season and he wasn't worried about the payment of sin that's forever. And so let me say in closing, he was self-centered and he only thought about today and he didn't worry about eternity. Eternity. You know, there ought to be a theme going around America and all the world as there were in the year 2000. Eternity. There was one gentleman that uh, put eternity all over um, Sydney, Australia. And he was, he'd write it in chalk on sidewalks and on the side of abandoned buildings. There was eternity everywhere. And then on the year 2000, when we thought the world was going to come to the end, Y2K, we even had a revival that week. I'll never forget it. Brother Kevin Hall preached a tremendous message on salvation. Brother Lou Rossi preached. But, you know, they, they showed the, the bridge uh, in Sydney, Australia, because that's where the new year came in first, so to speak. And it, they lit it up, and on the side of that bridge in Sydney, Australia, was the words in, in, in glowing eternity. And I thought to myself, this one man that was possessed with eternal life and eternity on his heart had caused Sydney, Australia to think about that theme. And everybody around the whole world tuned in that night and saw on that bridge the big words in glowing lights, eternity. And folks, I want to tell you something. The whole world should have got saved when they saw that word. But I want to tell you something, friend. This virus, this pandemic, should get us thinking about not just getting through it and not just getting out of the house and not just getting back to normal and not just getting back to the ballpark and not just getting back to uh, work. But it ought to be eternity. Eternity. And so, folks, we need to realize that God has allowed this to captivate our attention, that there is a life after death, and it's either paradise or it is a terrible life away from God. And then number two, his torture was only partial. His torture was only partial. You know, the Bible says his, the presence was, it was his thoughts, but the, his, tor his torture was only partial. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed once to men to die and after this to judgment. And folks, eternal hell, fire and brimstone, it's forever and ever and ever. I think about the illustration. I'm looking out and seeing a, a retired state trooper sitting out here that came to pray with me before I preached. And I thought about uh, the, the, the true story in Texas about Texas state trooper Allison who came up on a truck accident 
and the truck caught fire. And they couldn't get the truck driver out of the, out of the cab. And the fire began to engulf him, and he began to scream, Shoot me, officer, shoot me. Shoot me, officer, please shoot me. And folks, I want to tell you something. His pain was over after he died. But I want to tell you something. A person that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, their torture is only partial. And folks, last but not least, his tragedy was pointless. His tragedy, it was a pointless tragedy. He could have been saved. God loved him just as much as he loved the other thief. And the tragedy is to be so close, but so eternally far away. And today, today is your day of opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. Today, God has set up an amazing situation. And you can pray an amazing supplication, a prayer, just honest, open prayer. It's not the words, it's the heart attitude that counts. And you can ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save you and believe that he, God raised him from the dead and thou shalt be saved. And so the tragedy to be so close but so eternally far away as the day forever, eternity, far away from Christ in heaven and in hell, this man is regretting that day on the third cross when he rejected the Lord. You say, well, I'm not going to be like that lost thief. I'm going to be like that saved thief. I'll wait until the very last minute and then I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. You say that, you've got two, two great problems to solve. Number one, you don't know when your last minute is going to be. 93% of all people die with their boots on. It's quickly, accidentally, and you know, no one would sign a paper and say, I will wait, I'll postpone salvation until my soul, for my soul until the last minute before I die because you don't know when you're going to die. And then, um, secondly, you probably th think, well, I'll, I'll just be uh, like the thief and I will just uh, pray on my deathbed and it'll be my last opportunity. But I want to tell you something, friend. This could have been this thief's first opportunity. You never know. And you never know when God's going to call you home. And you know, if, if that's not upon your mind now, I don't know what will ever, what will cause you to realize that, you know, death could come to any of us, any time. One died in fear, fearing God. The other died in faith. One died without hope, and one died forever in heaven. One died in his sin debt, and the other died forgiven. Three crosses. Three crosses stood. Which cross? Which cross are you on? I know you can't be Jesus, but you sure can be like that thief on the right hand that called out, admitted, and received not only an amazing situation was set up for him, but there was amazing salvation. He got saved. And I pray this, this afternoon that you'll think about this message, you'll meditate on it, that you'll really seriously search your heart and realize that you have the same opportunity 
Because God loves you just as much as he loved the man on the second cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity of a lifetime, and that's to preach the gospel to so many people. And Lord, we thank you, dear God, for the day you saved me. At 11 and a half years old, didn't know much, didn't have much, didn't have anything to offer you. But you reached out to me with amazing salvation. And you set up an amazing situation where I was in church on a Sunday night and the preacher preached on hell with a tear in his eye and a heart throbbing for souls. And Lord, you touched my heart. And I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. And that I can live with heavenly peace, heavenly joy, and heavenly purpose before I get there. And Lord, I thank you for present tense salvation. That today I can rejoice in you. Today I can pray. Today I can have peace. Today I can have power over myself, sin, and this old sorry world. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for eternal salvation. The amazing grace, the amazing salvation that you gave me as a little boy. With every head bowed and every eye closed, right in the, your room or wherever you might be, your house, I want to ask you a few questions. I want to give you an invitation. It's hard to do that when there's an empty auditorium. But I want to tell you something, friend. I pray and have faith that God's setting up an amazing situation for you to hear the gospel. I try to make it as simple, as plain, and clear as I can make it. And the Word of God is so clear how this man got saved. You'd say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm going to tell you, you can do something about that because the first step is admitting that you need to be saved. You can bow your head right now, right where you're at. You can pray a prayer something like this. Dear Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. Lord, please forgive me. Come into my heart and save my soul. Lord, I turn my whole life over to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, dear God, for the death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, I pray that you give me the strength to live the rest of my life for your glory. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we want to send you something. We'll send you some follow-up, help you. You just call our phone and 706-278-6776 or I'll tell you what you can uh, personal message me on Facebook uh, you can get a hold of us uh, go to our, our webpage whitfieldbaptist.com we'd love to be a, a help and a blessing to you you might have some questions about this you might be under true conviction you just need some somebody to take the Bible and show you how to be saved we'd be glad to do that I pray that you'll get saved then I want to talk to the Christians this afternoon. How many of you know somebody that's lost in your family? You know somebody that's uh, maybe shaking their fist at God and they're wondering why this is happening. This has not made them better, it's made them bitter. And maybe, they're, they, maybe they weren't in church when they had an opportunity to come to church because they had no interest in things of God. And you know something, you can pray for them. and You can be a shining light in these last days, especially these horrendous days of suffering and pain and uncertainty, they can look at your life as you praise the Lord anyway and as you're faithful and as you uh, love them and help them. They can see Jesus in your life. 
How many would say, I know someone in my family, I know someone in my neighborhood, I know someone on my job, if I ever get back to that job or I get back to uh, where I can see my loved ones, I want to be a witness to them and I want you to pray with, with me uh, for them, Brother Wayne, because I'm burdened for my family members and my neighbors and my workmates, my schoolmates. How many of you just say that in your heart? You just raise your hand right where you're at, maybe at your home or wherever. Say, please pray with me. I can't see your hands, but more important, God can. And he'll help you to be that witness. Let's have a word of prayer, and then Brother Randy's going to come. We're going to sing a couple of verses of this beautiful song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Three crosses stood, and the one in the middle was God Almighty dying in your place. Thank God one of the thieves got saved. One of them had the amazing situation of turning to the amazing salvation, the Savior, being born again. Father, thank you for the message. Use it for your glory. And I pray for every person that's going to listen to this message that you'll set up this situation where they'll hear it and hear it clearly. God, that they'll get saved before it's too late. God, they'll realize that religion's not enough. Baptism's not enough. Works is not enough. Turning over a new leaf not enough. They, they must come to you and believe who you are, the Son of God, that you died for them, that you was buried, and three days later, you rose from the dead. And Lord, I pray for these Christians who are listening. Lord, we'd walk the walk and not just talk the talk, especially in these days of trials and tribulation, of uncertainty. God, help us to be a shining light Help us to be a real testimony of our Savior, for our Savior, and of our salvation. We're going to praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.